Hey guys, one day contract coming right around the corner here, but I wanted to give you a little bit of the lay of the land of the episode at about the 47 minute mark. We had the great Matt Miller, uh, you may know him as at NFL Draft Scout on Twitter from thedraftscout.com, uh, formerly of Bleacher Report, joined the show, gave us some great insight into this draft class, who he likes the best of the quarterbacks with the eighth pick, uh, who might be a sleeper, what he thinks of Scott Fitterer, all kinds of great stuff. So that's about the last half hour of the show. So if you do want to skip ahead, you would miss out on me, Nikki, and Colin talking about Deshaun Watson, Panthers' new GM, Lamar Jackson, uh, all kinds of good stuff is in uh, the first part of this episode. But the whole reason I wanted to do this intro was uh, we actually forgot to plug everyone on the show. So I would encourage everyone to go out there and follow Matt at NFL Draft Scout. Go sign up for thedraftscout.com. Follow me at Josh Klein Rules. Follow Colin at Colin CLT. And follow Nikki at Nikki704. But right now, here is One Day Contract. Welcome to One Day Contract, the Panthers talk show where each week we're joined by a new personality who we signed to a one-day contract to join the show. One Day Contract is a proud part of the Riot Network. Follow us on Twitter at the Riot Network to stay up to date on all of your favorite pods. Subscribe, rate, and love us wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Nikki Wolf. With me, as always, Josh Klein, managing editor for the Riot Report, needless fight instigator, and is already sick of mock drafts. Whew. I know, a lot like- more coming, buddy. Not a great, uh, not a great guest uh, to have on a show where I hate mock drafts already. Um, but at the same time, man, it's just the problem with mock drafts is not the mock drafts themselves because I do enjoy reading because usually they have like some sort of new nugget about uh, a specific player. It's the reaction to these hypothetical mock drafts that I just, I just can't do it. I just can't take it. Like it's just like, oh, I would burn my house now. The Panthers took this dude at. It's like, but they're not, but it hasn't even, uh, let's just, oh boy. I'm already, I'm already starting the, I'm starting the show off on a real curmudgeonly note. So, you know what? Let's go back. I love mock drafts. Let's read them all. I want to read them all. I want to read them all. Please send all of your mock draft reactions to at Josh Klein rules on Twitter. Uh, uh, I would prefer if you don't do that, but like, if you do, I do. I, I like to, I like the engagement. <laughs> There we go. The third member of this terrific trio, Colin Hoggard, columnist and contributor for the Riot Report, working overtime on the NFL trade machine, trying to bring a certain Houston quarterback to the Queen City. Hello, Colin. Hello. This will inevitably end with me apologizing to all of our favorite Panthers, but for Mr. Deshaun Watson, what must be done must be done, and I apologize for nothing. Uh, I thought you wanted to bring in... TJ Yates trade for TJ Yates or uh, Matt Schaub, man. Do you guys remember there was like a two year period where Matt Schaub was the toast of Texas, like where he was, he was like an MVP MVP candidate. That's the, that's the Mitch Trubisky award um, is an MVP candidate in uh, whatever year that was through 12 games. And then he got hurt and the Texans have never been good since. And I, you know, what is nice is to not, is to not be a part of the franchise that is the laughing stock of the NFL. Because if you're like a Houston fan, if you cover the Houston Texans, you host a podcast about Houston. If you are uh, a fan of Whitney Houston, I'm sorry, bro. You're, 
your team is a joke. And, and that's just where you are right now. And it's all because of Jack Easterby. What's, what's fascinating is there was dysfunction prior to Easterby that already existed. Like, this is the organization of Brian Cushing. <laughs> it's true. And of Bill O'Brien. Like, what a, what a tender time for Houston Texans fans when you're, like, fondly remember, hey, when, remember when Bill O'Brien gave away the best wide receiver in the world for David Johnson in a second-round pick? And now you're like, like, yeah. Well, it's, it's hard. It's like, remember the good times when Bill O'Brien was our coach? Remember <laughs> the bad times when Bill O'Brien was our GM? It's kind of tough. Oh, man. Didn't, wasn't Bill O'Brien a culture change? Like, didn't they bring him in to change the culture of the Houston Texans? And now we're, here we are, changing the culture again. Sometimes it takes a few times. I agree. I know the problem with this is that Marley is a huge Bill O'Brien fan. So I know that he wants to get his voice heard um, during the show. And I don't blame him, honestly. Like, he loves B.O.B. Um, he, he wants to know that uh, he, he takes Bill O'Brien's side in the, in the O'Brien-Hopkins debate. I took it as he's tired of the quarterback talk, and we need to talk special teams. Who, what special teamers are we drafting is really what he wants to know. It's a good point because you really do. Um, is, who is the, next, is the next Colin Jones on the roster? I don't know. The answer is always on the roster, um, but I, I'm not sure that it is. Although I thought, uh, honestly, I thought Sam Franklin had a real shot to be uh, the next Colin Jones, and he still might. There's still time. Right. Still Do it, time. Sam. I got faith in you. <laughs> so before we get to Panthers talk, uh, Nikki's super important question is coming from our one day contract text thread in which I missed like 35 text messages between the two of you all. And I don't think it got discussed. So I need to know Brady versus Breeze. Who were you cheering for? Uh, I, I'm not ashamed to say that um, I thought that the Saints we're going to win um, by more than two and a half points. And I'll tell you why, because in the NFL, there are so many times when what is the bet that will screw over most of the betting public. And in this particular weekend, there was a ton of money on both the Packers and the Bucks. And so in my mind, it was like, if the Packers cover the spread, then the Bucks can't like it was, that was how I was. That was where I was at. Um, and, and really, I, I didn't feel great about rooting for either one of them, but there are moments when it's like Brady still looks like a good quarterback and Drew Brees looks like Peyton Manning 2015. So um, I, like I, I wasn't particularly rooting for either one, but I did, I did want to uh, return money on that bet. So I guess technically I was rooting for, for Drew Brees in his final game. People have been talking about the separation of Brady and Belichick and you know, who, who it matters more to. I really feel like Brady separating from the New England fans, way bigger, way bigger. He seems so much more tolerable now that he doesn't have New England fans around him. I, uh, I feel like we're going to turn off a lot of people when I tell you that like that video that Brady put out where he was walking to the bus with Gronk in the background and um, – uh, we ain't going nowhere by P Diddy started playing and they were just kind of like grinning at the camera as they walked to the, to the bus. And then it immediately just like cut to black. And then it was like Super Bowl next week. I was like, well, that's a 
pretty cool effing video, Tom Brady. Like I, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to like you, but it is really hard. Uh, it is really hard not to, but that being said, um, too long of, of kisses on the mouth. They're just, they're too long. They last for like, I told my wife about the, the mouth kiss with his son and she was like, come on, dude, that's not so bad. And I was like, let's watch the video. And she was like, Oh, it's not that. Oh, okay. All right. She was like, I mean, I see what you're saying. She was like, I don't want to agree with you, but I see what you're saying. It was one of those type of agreements that I got from yeah. my wife, which I'm, I feel great about. I, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Let's talk Panthers. We got to start with the big hire. Should we speculate on this new GM role? Or are we just going to wait and see? I'll say I really like his dating profile, if you will. Like it fits exactly what I think Tepper and Rule needed. And they got a, they got a veteran of the NFL that's experienced in the front office that can be the guy that can say, maybe there is a price that's too rich to pay for a certain quarterback from Houston. Maybe there is. And um, based on his profile, I think, you know, it seems like he's, he's the right type of, uh, the right type of guy. That being said, complete wait and see. So you're swiping for Scott is what you're saying. You're swiping right on Scott. Look, I'm sipping the roulade and I'm, and I'm swiping right on, on, on Fitty. If the shoe fits, you got to wear it and wear it good. <laughs> but do you, you know what I'm saying? Like, because my concern was that we were going to have the most inexperienced decision-making trio this franchise has ever had if they'd hired the, the young whippersnapper analytics guy, like, I don't know, the, the guy that's screwing things up in Philly, you know, Roseman or whatever. But yeah, I mean, th- that's not who Federer appears to be. No, I agree with you. And, and uh, our, our guest, uh, Matt Miller, who is coming on later on in the show, I'm sure we'll have some thoughts on it as well. But you're, you're totally right that having a guy that has been doing this for a while, that has been a part of a G, uh, front office for a little bit and knows not only how to run a team, but in my mind, how to run a team with a program builder uh, at its core, which is what Matt Rule is and it's what Pete Carroll was. And having a front office that is married and works well with a head coach, not just from a, hey, coach, we really like this guy. Okay, great. Like, let me tell you something. Like, the way that the Seahawks and front office and, and coaching staff work together, I thought was really interesting when you hear them talk about how the, the coaching staff is going through and breaking down exactly what they want in each position group. And then the front office is going back and saying, hey, this is what we – that." That to me is how they always describe the uh, Marty Herney and Matt Rule relationship, and that's how I think that a uh, a front office and and coaching staff relationship should be. Ultimately, I- I'm not sure that's how it is across the NFL. And when you have somebody like Fitterer that has worked, that has seen the way that um, Pete Carroll and John Schneider work together in Seattle, I-, I think that you can look at that relationship and be like, okay this is how our relationship should look in Carolina. Um, and let's hope that we don't need any ties broken at any point. And I do think rules ability as a communicator to lay those things out is one of his strengths. And one of the reasons why I've been bullish on him and we've been bullish on him. And, and I think that it, it can work. Um, so, you know, I know we were pretty much, we said it's impossible to have an opinion on these guys and whatnot, but again, based on his dating profile and everything, I, I think, I think they got this one right. Two-sport athlete, too. I mean, can't argue with that. 
I mean, baseball involvement in qu- with quarterbacks is certainly something I'm paying attention to nowadays. How can you obviously. not? Obviously, obviously. So what should his first order of business be? Uh, I, well, I, I'm, I'm not going to say the really big thing that I think everybody wants him to do. What I will say is that I think that um, if they're going to sign Taylor Moten, they should do it like right now. Like how, like what, what better way to like ingratiate yourself to the fan base than to say, Hey, we knew we wanted Taylor Moten and you can own that move. And that is such a no brainer move. Like we've talked about this, this team weirdly like working against themselves in the past. Uh, The exclusive rights free agent signing that they did last week, we talked about it. They, they went ahead. They said, Hey, we're going to like these Joey Sly, Joey Sly. And uh, I think it was Charlton too. Like, these are just no brainer moves. We're just going to go ahead and do them. And it's like, we're not going to wait. We're not going to, well, maybe we're not going to pussyfoot around for three, three months. It's going to be, Hey, we want to sign Taylor Moten. We're going to offer him a contract. He's either going to sign. And if he's not, then we're going to leak out that we're prepared to franchise tag him. And we're just going to make this move with Taylor Moten. That would be what I think is, a smart thing to do quickly if you're going to do it over the next four months. The easy, the, the, the easier answer is figure out the quarterback situation, but I think it's a little bit more complicated than there's no easy answer for that. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I, the idea of trying to win over the, the, the fan base with a move is something that um, I'm, I'm not crazy in love with. I think that, I think we've you know discussed it. I think it will be a franchise tag for Moten. I don't really, you know, but one thing that, you know, we, we kind of assume this about Moten and we've assumed, you know, before Fitter arrived, am I not mistaken? Is the Seattle offensive line not been great for basically the duration? Like, is this something that we're going to, we're going to continue to live with you think here um, in Carolina? And I know that's, I mean, we're doing the impossible projection phase here. No, it's, it's, it's an interesting question. I, I think the, the, the bigger overarching question is how much of that Seattle um, uh, type of roster building and that Seattle attitude towards drafting comes with Scott Fitterer to the Carolinas now, because I, I, I will not, I can't be the first, this can't be the first time you've heard this listener that uh, eight of the last nine drafts for the Seattle Seahawks, they have traded down in the first round. And not only that, the only one that they didn't trade down was last year when they were trying desperately to trade down and couldn't make it work. So in the second round, they traded down because that was how the Seattle Seahawks found value in the draft. By the way, fun fact, the Seahawks traded the 64th pick in the 2020 draft to the Carolina Panthers who drafted Jeremy Chin. So there's a little bit of a combination there. Scott Federer already helping out the Panthers uh, in 2020 before he came. But I, I am really curious to see how much of this uh, Seahawks way of drafting, value-based drafting, comes to Carolina. Yeah, I don't think we're going to see as many trade downs, at least initially. I could I, I be completely wrong. I think there were salary cap considerations, too, with some of mm-hmm. those decisions as you're they were competing. Right. So it, it's one thing when your roster's at that level and you're going, hey, we're, we're loaded to bear a rookie's not going to come in and contribute. Let's not spend that money and so trade down because the numbers in the NFL draft in that first round do drop pretty quickly. So uh, I think at least in the initial building phase, we, we may not see that. Um, but that's just, that's just, you know, 
purely speculative as it all is. <laughs> and and you're and you're not wrong. I mean, and also that team wasn't doing what the Carolina Panthers are doing right now at any Thank point you. over the last 10 years. Well, recharging. Um, please. Uh, that team was not recharging since since Russell Wilson came in. One of the things that I thought was really interesting was he really goes uh, – I don't remember where I read this. It might have been um, uh, Nick Carboni, I think, spoke to Bob Condotta, who writes for the Seattle Times, and he said that uh, the Seahawks in particular believed a lot in, thro- in having a lot of darts at the quarterback position. So when they drafted Russell Wilson, they were always having three, four guys on the – on the roster. It wasn't just, Hey, we're going to take Russell Wilson. We're going to see how he does for the next two years. It was, Hey, we're going to draft Russell Wilson. Hey, we're going to bring in another guy. Hey, we're going to do this other guy. Like it was, they're constantly taking shots at that quarterback position. So you might see them, you know, draft, uh, it may be a guy in that with the eighth pick and they may also take a shot at a guy on day three as well. Like that, that may be something that they do. They may take a guy in the, in the, on day three this year and then come back next year. Like that won't preclude them because it, with the Panthers, it felt like when they drafted Will Greer, it was like, well, they're not going to draft another quarterback the next year because they spent a third round pick on a quarterback this year. It doesn't, I don't think that is going to be necessarily true with Fitterer at the helm. And it is worth noting with the Panthers at the senior bowl, they will be working with some quarterbacks that fit that bill that you're talking about. Yes, you are absolutely right. Those, those, um, those senior bowl quarterbacks, it's Kyle Trask, it's Macaroni Jones, it's uh Mond is on their team from yep. AM and uh Felipe Franks, right? Or no, Felipe's on the other team. Yeah, but he's still there. And I, I think they will have a, a, a lot of options there. Um with uh Yeah. Newman, with, Mond, with and I thought there was one more, but anyways. Yeah. And Mac Jones. Of course. Macaroni. But, you know, and this is something we, we've talked about, you know, we've talked about it in the context of Will Greer before, that where do those guys get the get the reps to get better? Where do they get them? Because if, if you pick them on day three, then you're not going to invest in them to, you know, to see them on the field. So where do they get them? And, and how, what does development of a quarterback look like in 2021 other than taking them in the first round? That's a, it's a really interesting question because, I, I mean, I've been saying this for a couple of years, that the best, the very, very best quarterbacks in the league all sat for their first, their first year. So uh, even, even if not for their first year, week one, they were not anointed the starter. So that, that, I think, is very helpful. And I think the Panthers do have a leg up if they decide to go with the quarterback this offseason, which I think they're going to, um, is, uh, is that they do not, he does not have to start week one does not have to come in and change the franchise. Uh, Teddy can, can hold that down and bridge him into the next, uh, the next era. Well, on that note of very good quarterbacks, there's been a lot of talk about Deshaun Watson. Deshaun! Deshaun! Let's go! Let's go! How did we wait for so long without talking about Deshaun? It took a lot of restraint to talk about the D word there. <laughs> So there seems to be this kind of divide with two philosophies, mortgage the future for an elite quarterback at any cost, or don't give up too much for one player. And I'm curious, where do you guys come down on that argument? Um, I think that people may be shocked by this answer, but I think that you, if you have the opportunity to trade for Deshaun Watson, you trade anything and everything that you possibly can. Um, I think that if it takes four first round picks and Christian McCaffrey, then, I like 
do it because the elite, elite, elite quarterbacks in the NFL are so hard to find and you cannot, um, you, you cannot guarantee that one of those quarterbacks is going to be there in the draft. Even if you have the number one pick, there is no guarantee. I know Trevor Lawrence can't miss prospect, but guess what? Can't miss prospects. They miss all the damn time. So I, I would love to say that, oh, well, you know, would I rather have four shots at a quarterback and I'll take two shots and then one of them is Zach Wilson and the other one is a 2023 quarterback. And then I also get a, 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 a top tier linebacker and the best corner on the board. Great. All that's terrific. Deshaun Watson is, is an all pro quarterback right now. Like he comes in and makes your team a contender in the NFC right now, next year. Like he does the thing that Marty Herney convinced uh, David Tepper that Teddy Bridgewater was going to do. That's what Deshaun Watson does. Because if you look at this 2019 Texans team, it was not so long ago that the Houston Texans were up 24 to nothing on the Kansas City Chiefs in the playoffs. And that team with was basically Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins, Laramie Tunsil, and J.J. Watt, and a bunch of dudes. Sorry, I know that's going to be disrespectful to a bunch of very talented football players, like Will Fuller, very talented guy. But ultimately, it was four guys and a bunch of dudes, and Deshaun Watson took them to 10-6 and six, and probably on the brink of the AFC Championship game. To me, if you can get – and you get an elite quarterback and you figure out the rest later. He's 25. 25! This doesn't happen. This this shouldn't happen. This re, like realistically, it's crazy that we're here talking about an NFL player possibly doing what Deshaun's trying to do. So this is this is completely new territory, and and, and we see it in the NBA in terms of the player empowerment. We do not see it though, um, in the same way in the NFL. It's going to be interesting because part of me is like, there's no way. But then the fact that guys like Rappaport and Schefter and people keep hammering that they think this is this is really done, that this is really the end. Um, the reason it's going to be you, you don't find a comparison to it. You, you, so if you're looking for, well, what did so-and-so give up in a trade for this? There is no comparison. And that's why, yes, you do whatever you can do to get them in the, in, in the door. Um, and, and I'm with you. Like, is there a price that's too much? Yes. Yes, there is. But if that price, like, I don't know how you get to that point. And they go, we'd really like one more first round pick. Like, I, you know, so like, what is, you know, if you're at that point, then, then yeah, you just, th you throw it in and you just keep on moving and you get the guy and, and you trust in Fitterer and Rule. Um, to, to identify talent and, and to develop talent at other positions. Because unlike the quarterback position, you can develop players at other, other positions. So, um, and if you, if you get this pick wrong at eight, you go for a quarterback and, you know, Zach Wilson turns out to be made of chopsticks. And you, you, so now you're two picks down already. So just if, and that's, you know, that's a chance you're going to take in the draft. So I, I'm with you, Josh. There's, there's no price you don't pay. The only thing, and I say this just as trying to be the guy that mentions these kinds of things. He has had both ACLs worked on. He has had both ACLs torn. So that is the one thing that I would be leaning on if I was fitter. So when, when they're trying to say there's no price too much, I go, eh, the ACLs. I would try and use that to rein him in a little bit. But ultimately, that does not dissuade me from wanting Deshaun here in Carolina. Yeah. I, oh, go ahead. Uh, oh. 
I go ahead. Uh, <laughs> no, I, my, my thing is I, cause I, I also, I don't want to be the Debbie Downer, the Josh, the Josh of this conversation. But I also think there are a couple things that I do have some questions about. My big, my biggest question is that who's driving the Deshaun Watson train? Is it Matt Rule? Is it Scott Fitterer? Or is it David Tepper? And if it it's David Tepper, well, it should be all of them. But if it's David Tepper, I was, I was a little bit concerned. I, I had some, some consternation. I had some consternation about the fact that the, uh, the Schefter, or was it Schefter or Rappaport, the one that broke the internet, that broke Panther's Rappaport. Twitter? Rappaport. So I was a little bit concerned about the Rappaport report that said, um, well, the Jets have this draft capital and the Dolphins have this great culture. The Panthers have an owner that wants to make a big splash. That is, that is why he said that you should keep the Panthers uh, involved in this conversation. It's the reason why they have the best odds on betonline.ag, which also broke Panthers Twitter. Um, that's a credible, little bit, noted credible source. <laughs> it's a little bit concerning. I have bet with betonline.ag, never made a withdrawal from that site. So I will say, um, <laughs> Not to not uh, not not their fault. I, Let me just I, say the point out that very this complicated is... parlays and they did not, <laughs> not weirdly did not come in. You know, you you've looked at me sideways at points when we've talked about a new owner coming and making new owner mistakes, and I think this this is this is a chance, and that's why I think it's good that Federer's here, because I think to, left to his own devices, Tepper may just offer up the next three Panther drafts. Like he he may just do that. So sure. I'm glad that Federer's um, around. And the other thing, Deshaun does have a no trade um, clause, so he can kind of pick and choose where he wants to go. Um, at least a little bit, if this actually plays out, and we'll see. One other thing, uh, one other thing, I cannot see how the Carolina Panthers can outbid the Miami Dolphins or the New York Jets for Deshaun Watson services. That that's my that would be my main problem. Not that the Panthers don't have enough; it's that they don't have enough to get over the top of what Miami and the Jets have. Because if I'm if I'm Houston and I'm looking at Carolina, a Carolina package that consists of, I don't know, even if it's like at its best, it's Christian McCaffrey, it's Brian Burns, and it's three first-round picks. I am having trouble getting past the Dolphins uh, package of Tua, um, the number four pick, which is higher than the Panthers' first-round pick this year, the number 17 pick, which is not that much further back from the Panthers' first-round pick, and a couple other first-round picks down the road. And you know if they get close, the Dolphins can sweeten it with whatever they want to sweeten it. So to me, the same thing for the Jets. If, you, if, you are the, if you're the Texans, you can say, well, we lost out on uh, Deshaun is gone, but here's Justin Fields. Like, here's our next franchise quarterback is here. Whereas with the Panthers trap package, you're kind of saying, here's our next uh, franchise quarterback. It's whatever quarterback is left. Like whichever one is going to be there at eight, that's going to be our next one. That that would be my main uh, my main caveat or thing that would like stop the. <laughs> Bernie agrees. Well, well, Bernie may, but I, I actually disagree. You think Tua has more value than Christian McCaffrey? I do. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank. At least someone has some sense in that house. You know what? I got a leper. I was putting myself on mute, but I got to let Bernie. Oh, finally. Um, I think That's that. Got him Tua, down. Buddy, we get it, buddy. We get it. He doesn't <laughs> even play special teams. It's ridiculous. Come here, buddy. Come on. 
Um, I think that when you look at Tua is a young quarterback, he's number five pick in the draft last year. To me, a quarterback is always going to have more value than a running back, not to mention that Tua is on a rookie deal and Christian is decidedly not on a rookie deal. I would, I would actually think Houston looking for a face of the franchise, particularly in light of the fact that their current face of the franchise is, is upset with them, uh, might, not, might not want a quarterback. I think CMC actually provides them. If they're looking for a player, I don't think another team can offer them a better player than the Panthers offering Christian McCaffrey or amongst people that you might include, unless the Niners were to get involved. You two both put together a trade package for me. And also, okay. is anybody off limits? Like, is there anybody untouchable on this roster? Brian Burns. Okay. Yeah, Brian Burns would kind of be the only guy that I might be untouchable. But again, if the Texans are like, we'll do it, but you got to give us Burns. It's like, ah. You know, you I don't know. like it, but sorry. So I guess that means he is not untouchable. Like, like that's the thing is, like, I would – I would love to be able to keep some of these guys, but I do think that whatever you would theoretically package, and I want to apologize to Brian, Christian, DJ, if you're listening, Ian Thomas, who is probably going to get thrown into this draft package. Sure. Uh, Derek Brown, Shaq Thompson. Um, oh, you know what? Can I put Jeremy Chin on my untouchable list? Are they yeah. going to, are they going to, are they going to want, I think if they're going to want, I think it's one or the other. How about that? Can I, I'll, I'll kind of caveat it uh, with, I might give you Burns, but I won't give you Burns and Chin. And I might give you Chin, but I'm not going to give you Chin and Burns. So you can have one or the other. What about these? Are, these say, are so yes. such hypotheticals. They they are, but this this is literally if if Fitter's doing his job, that's what the, there's guys with Lego pads over there scribbling out these exact kind of things. You know, do you do uh, what? If, what is Chin? Does Chin plus CMC eat, mean that you can keep eight and, you know, give them a fr- next year, something like that? I mean, I would put – I would I would be pretty much willing to put any two of the guys that you would, that you listed um, except for I wouldn't do CMC and Burns together. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I'm trying to think of, like, the biggest But I trade. totally would if they said that that's what's going to get it done. <laughs> yeah, that's the- – <laughs> That's, yeah, I would definitely not put both of those guys in. But if it gets me to Sean Watson, then I would give them all both <laughs> and all three. And guess what, Nikki? You're moving to Houston. Thanks for coming out. I hope Tune in you like, next week to One Day Contract Texas. Yeah, I hope you like uh, um, Tex-Mex food. So uh, pretty much the 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 standard, the gold standard for biggest trade in NFL history is the Herschel Walker trade, right? The Herschel Walker trade that was in 1989. So obviously these things are crazy. Um, The, the Cowboys traded Herschel Walker and a bunch of picks. uh, No, none higher than the third rounder for, uh, it's so crazy. The Jesse Solomon, David Howard, Isaac, Isaac Holt, Alex Stewart, first, second, First two seconds and a sixth. Um, if I'm Minnesota, I'm doing that a thousand times out of a thousand. I get it. Didn't like if Deshaun. If I'm if I'm trading a first two seconds, a sixth, and four guys that nobody knows who they are in in twenty years. Sold. I'll do it. Give it to me. Give me Deshaun Watson. I'll trade you a first two seconds, a sixth, 
two firsts, two seconds, a sixth, Shaq Thompson, um, Derek Brown, and uh, and I don't know. Well, in the worst trade in Panthers history, we gave up two firsts for Sean Gilbert and somehow still managed to pay full retail. So, like, we, we gave up the maximum draft capital and then paid the maximum two for the right to give up two first-round picks. So, like, I, I don't – it would be very difficult for David Tepper to trade for Deshaun Watson and that trade be worse than that deal. I think it's very – I think it would be I, – I will go ahead and say this, and, and I will go on the record as saying it on the podcast. I think there is no Deshaun Watson trade that would be bad for the Carolina Panthers unless Deshaun suffers some sort of career-ending injury in the next two seasons. There is no scenario where Deshaun Watson is a Carolina Panther week one of 2021 that is bad for Carolina unless he is hurt within two seasons after that. And, and he just signed a contract, which is another reason why it's like, is all of this an exercise in futility? But again, Schefter, Rappaport, the guys are acting like this is this is the real deal. He, he's under contract through 2025. So it's not like you're going to trade him and then immediately have to get yourself into a situation. Um, so, And I know he's expensive now, but all these guys are going to start. The next round of quarterbacks are going to sign their deals, and these deals are going to be – Deshaun Watson is going to be – in Deshaun Watson in 2024. Three is going to be Cam Newton in 2019 from a salary standpoint where you say, this guy's only making $20 million. Deshaun's only making $40 million a year. And somehow Mitch Trubisky, the second is making $62 million a year. Like, like those, these contracts get better as the years go on. So yeah, it looks real expensive right now, but in four years it won't be. And you, you guys know get him. Yeah, I, I've been hesitant about the quarterback class and about making you know the the big move and the big splash. But this is a this is a proven NFL quarterback. This is closest to a, a sure thing as you can get. And so me, the guy that's saying I don't know about quarterbacks in this one, I'm saying I would much rather than take this big swing, take the big bite of the apple, if if you're lucky enough to get it. I mean, this is this is he's not LeBron, but this is LeBron going to the Heat type, you know transformative change for this organization the second he steps steps foot here which trade would you rather make trade up to second pick or trade for deshaun it's it's easy for me and 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 assuming a higher price tag than to get up to two agreed even no matter and it no it would be a huge i mean it would be i would say hugely more expensive to trade up trade for deshaun than trade up to two and it would be expensive to trade up for two um but i think it would be worth it to pay the higher higher price for deshaun rather than the high price for justin fields who again or zach wilson choose make your choice um yeah i i personally and that's the other thing is you can get it wrong in the draft and you probably will history says you're probably going to get it wrong unless you're marty hurry in the first round absolutely and he's probably trading up to seven to draft in front of the panthers (laughs) <laughs> do you think before we get to our game do you think tepper is at all fueled influenced by social media <sighs> i think he's i think well i've said it before i think he needs a friend i do i think he i think he listens um you know reads a little bit a little bit too much sometimes um, you know, and I think he feels the need to make moves like the, even like the timing of the hurry move. We, we discussed that. Like, I, I do feel like he 
feels this need to to I don't know, feed the the fans something. The need for speed. Uh, I don't I don't know whether he's influencer or um, whatever by social media, but um, I would hope not. But you never know. Like that that's the thing. Like I don't. Yeah, I I, I would hope not. I, I think that you have to make. We've been saying this all along, and it's been a little bit worrisome, and it gets more worrisome with every move that gets made, um, that you have to let football guys make football decisions. And David Tepper has said in the past that he's not a football guy, and it seems like he's going to be making a lot of football decisions. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I'm just a little bit like, just let Fitterer put the trade package together. All right, before we bring on our guests, let's play a quick game. This is going to be – Create a quarterback. So tell me the perfect parts to create the recipe for the perfect playoff quarterback. I have to take people behind. I have to take people behind the scenes real quick about the podcast because before the podcast, I I, I brought something up and I feel like I touched a nerve with Josh because in an example of of giving characteristics, I stumbled into mentioning Lamar Jackson and I feel like we have identified perhaps a man crush. Yeah, dude, I love Lamar. Lamar's awesome. Like, first of all, <laughs> super fun to watch. He's like watching a video game quarterback. And of all the quarterbacks that are like that right now, Kyler, Mahomes, Lamar, um, Lamar is, uh, first of all, he just he has a great personality, which I really like. I, I just enjoy watching his game. And I think that one of the things that it struck a nerve with me was that you said via text, we're really just pulling back the curtain. Uh, you said that um, you said that Lamar gets, you know what? I'm just going to read the text. How's that? How's this for receipts? <laughs> That's right. That's I'm going to read right. it. I'm going to read it specifically. <laughs> I'm fascinated by the way Lamar is viewed and apologized for in ways Cam never was, despite, despite being guys who have very similar games. First of all, that's a ridiculous statement. Cam or Lamar is getting crucified in the national media right now because he hasn't won the Super Bowl in his first three seasons. He is a this was his third year as a professional quarterback. He won the MVP in one of those three years. I and he has not and he has, has not won in the playoffs since. This is such a just just such a microwave idea of like, well, if he doesn't win in the first three years, is he can he ever win? Can he ever possibly win? Like, come on, man. Like, he has – I just uh, – yeah. Well, I, I think the, the question I was trying to get at, and, and, and the, the comparison I said is, would you, who would you rather have for the next five years? Would you rather have Lamar Jackson um, or Mac Jones as your quarterback? In, in, the, in the idea of – Oh, how could that possibly have touched a nerve? Such a, <laughs> such a, such a similar well, comparison. Do you think Lamar's ceiling gets higher going forward as he gets older, as he becomes less of a super athlete? You think he's he's going to be taking the team further and further? What? Why does he have to get worse and worse? Lamar Jackson, to me, has the ceiling the NFL, of a – guys get older. Guys right, get but he's 24. Hurt. He's 20 months older than Mac Jones. 20 months. Do he's you not think like – he's, he's not Drew Brees. Do you think he wins another MVP? Well, he is Do you think the, the ceiling is higher going forward? Ceiling is higher than Macaroni Jones? Yes. No, no. Is his ceiling for himself, based on what he's done, you think he will be more successful in the NFL over the next five years than he's been thus far? Oh, 
Yes. If I have to, can I bet on Lamar Jackson uh, being in the Super Bowl in the next five years? Is that what sure. you're asking me? Sure. Well, you bet on Drew Brees this week, so sure. I, what are the odds too. like on that on betonline.ag? The thing is, you, by the you, way, just you for, for Deshaun's odds are six to one. I have bet as someone that has bet a lot of things at six to one. That's no picnic. That thing does not come in all the time. I'm just telling you, everybody's like, oh, six to one, it's a lot. Six to one is very much not a lot. I can tell you that for a fact. Tell that to my bankroll that six to one is a lot. I just love that you penned a tweet uh, after watching Rodgers that you're like, this this is a quarterback's league. Anyone that tells you differently is just lying to your face. And then you turned around and bet on Drew Brees the following night. That was all about that was a that was all about narrative. <laughs> it was all about narrative. Also, Drew Brees, uh, Hall of Fame quarterback. No, oh, okay, but. You know, assuming so is Jameis, to be clear. Only one quarterback this past weekend had a 158.3 passer rating, and it sure as shit wasn't Tom Brady. That's one out of two curses. The most disappointing quarterback performance of the weekend was Tony Romo, I believe. Yes. He was really off his game, and I don't get to say that. You don't say that much about Tony. Uh, But let's – Andy Reid caught him sleeping too. Yeah, I mean, they're not going to hike it. I mean, look at the body language. Oh, no! (laughs) Oh, he definitely got that first down. Like, he was oh, awful for that. Like, we need a bounce back Romo performance. He's never had that opportunity in the playoffs to have a bounce back performance. Yeah, uh, that was like a bad now. stretch of 10 minutes right there for him. Um, the, the question I was really trying to ask about uh, with, the, with the quarterback thing is, uh, assuming we don't get Deshaun, assuming we've got a quarterback, like, do you want a guy that falls in the super athlete category? Or do you think that the better way for the Panthers would be to have a guy that and, and, and I use Mac Jones uh, just as, as the cardboard cutout, as the you know personification of the example of just drive the car. Sure, he sure looks like a cardboard cutout when he's in the pocket. Uh, looks more like a, I don't know. He looked fat in that shirtless picture. I could. He looked, I got he looked more like Tom Brady. Yeah, that's crazy. yeah. Um, he looked more like Josh Klein, honestly. Um, <laughs> the the thing is, is that I. I feel like, and maybe this is just my own personal preference for quarterback and the way that I like to see what, and what I like to see. And, and this may be because of the, the video game generation since Madden. I prefer a super athlete as my quarterback. I like to see somebody that is going to constantly be a threat to make things happen, um, uh, that is consistently going to be a, that is consistently going to be a threat and is going to elevate your team, no matter what the pieces are around him. And I think that the, that the teams that the quarterbacks that consistently need a, uh, they, uh, well, you got to put talent around him. You got to have wide receivers. You got to have offensive line. I get it. That's how the NFL works. But the reality is, is that there are so many uh, of the best quarterbacks do it without the talent around them. And they don't necessarily have to. Pat Mahomes doesn't have to do it without the talent around him. He has Travis Kelsey, has Terry Kill, has Eric Bieniemy. But so many of these quarterbacks in the past, they have to do it without the talent around them. And that's what it ultimately comes down to. And even with Aaron Rodgers, he has Devontae Adams. But the rest of his offense, the rest of that offense is not good. Like he's making stars out of Marquez Valdez-Scanting and Al Lazard and David Bakhtiari hasn't played since week 14, and yet they're just cruising to the NFC Championship. Like, well, but they, that's also representative of their draft strategy. They've, they've drafted line, both offensive and defensive, in the first round and not taken running backs or wide receivers in the first round. That's been something they've actively chosen to not do. And then 
their receivers and running backs aren't as good. And then, you know. Right. I mean, we're also talking about the tippy top of the quarterback chain. I mean, we're talking about Aaron Rodgers and, and Pat Mahomes. And, and uh, I, I think it, well, let me ask you this. And I, I know we're, we're far away from Panther talk here, especially with this question. Who are your top five quarterbacks in the league right now today? Mahomes, Rodgers. Sure. Okay. Um, I guess we'll, we'll, I'll put Allen in there. We can quibble about you should. Where yep. Um, where he's in there. In no particular order. Yep. I'm going to say it's it's still Brady just because of the, the, the general aspect. Um, okay. And who am I forgetting here? I, I think we've already been talking about him. Oh, and Desha- are you saying Deshaun? I was actually going to say Lamar Jackson. but oh. Um, oh, no. Well, gosh, no. I would put Deshaun in instead of Brady, and I would put Deshaun and Lamar would be my four and five. I think you basically had it in the order. That's that's me personally. Yeah. Again, yeah. I think that's the way that you like your quarterback too. Yeah, but the, the reason I, the reason I bring this up is because it, it does get different, you know, come playoff time. It is different. You have to do this against the best defenses, and I feel like Lamar's always going to have some regular season success. But I, I'm in that camp that doesn't see a guy that is a, is a super athlete. Like I think Cam had a better chance of of, of winning a Super Bowl than Lamar does. Well, he did, but he also. Cam didn't hit his 2015 MVP stride until he had been in the league for three more years than Lamar has right now. So I I think that if you want to do that, if we want to make that judgment, I think we have to wait a couple more years. I think to me, Cam and Lamar had the same ceiling, except Cam got hurt and Lamar has not gotten hurt yet. And if Lamar gets hurt, then he he will follow. He did just get hurt. He got 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 hurt in the game. Right. Got hurt in the game. Yeah. Yeah, after yeah, throwing a okay, 101-yard uh, red zone interception. Yeah, it wasn't great. And somehow the fastest man on the planet didn't catch the guy either. Wasn't great. <laughs> no, I, and I'm not, anti, I'm not anti-Lamar. I just think it's a hard way to win. Like, we saw it with Cam. Like, I think it's a hard, uh, it's a hard way to win. That was really what I was trying to bring. I'm not really in a, an assault on him. I mean, I just anyway, if we're, if we're building our perfect quarterback, I'll take Lamar's legs. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Fair is there Tom a piece Brady's of man- hair because it grows long into your 40s. I, I was going to say, did you put doctor. some man hurts in there too? Are you allowed to do that? No, he's a core, He's a tight end, obviously. You're not going to put he's, any – He got traded to the Texans anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you like a little tight end in your quarterback. All right. Let's – all right. <laughs> let's keep it together. Let's keep it clean here. Colin, what, what does your quarterback look like? Besides not Lamar Jackson. Well, you know, honestly, like, I, I know one of the things is it's watching Brady. Like, not having to watch him with, with the stupid New England fans. Like, just – I'm at the point now watching him I can just appreciate him. Like, I don't feel any animosity towards him. I don't feel anything like that. I can just watch him and appreciate a guy out there operating. I mean, it's really what kept Breeze around for the last three years is his arm started to fall off. You know, that, that ability to be that, that field general. And – we, we've got these older guys. Rogers is going to carry it for a little bit longer. But we're about to have a bunch of guys playing quarterback rather than a bunch of field generals. And we're going to see him grow into that. But, um, but for now, I, I really have to admit I'm enjoying watching Brady. I think we should just end it there. 
Let's bring on our guests. Joining us now is Matt Miller, a.k.a. at NFL Draft Scout on Twitter, formerly of Bleacher Report, and next month launching his own website, thedraftscout.com, where he'll bring a decade's worth of insights, knowledge, connections, and sources to all things NFL offseason to all 32 teams, including your Panthers. Welcome, Matt. Hey, thank you guys so much for having me on. That's honestly like that's the best intro I've had in a long time. I need to I need to clip that out so I can start using that when people are like, okay, wait, what do you do now? Who are you? That was fantastic. I I'm uh, I'm humbled right now. I'm in awe, basically. We'll send you that as a bio, but I charge like sixty dollars an hour, so I'll send you an invoice. <laughs> For that good, I would too. You might be undercharging yourself. <laughs> um, first things first, we have to ask you the really important question, and that's what is your favorite ice cream topping? This goes back to last week. You missed it. We just got to do it real quick. Uh, you guys are going to hate me. I actually don't like ice cream. Um, what? I don't like, I don't like sweets. I know. This is weird. So I don't like chocolate. I don't like cake, cookies. Um, ice cream, I will eat occasionally, and I'm super boring. Like I like chocolate ice cream or like vanilla like strawberry. If it comes in the little like Neapolitan carton, I'll eat it. But I, I don't really like ice cream. I don't think in my entire life I've ever craved ice cream. So I understand everyone who listens to your podcast has turned this off now and I apologize. All right, Matt. Well, thanks for coming on the show. We really appreciate you uh, <laughs> taking the time. Um, well, I was prepared I, to call him like the Twitter draft OG, like all of these nice right? things, try and build off what Nikki had said. Now, I, now I'm questioning everything. How can you trust anything I say about football players <laughs> when I don't eat ice cream? I understand. You like puppies, uh, though, right? I do. Yeah, I actually just okay. got a little French bulldog puppy, so I'm 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 good there. Okay. All right. Well, you're, you're one for two. Um, let's I'm not see a if complete we can... psychopath. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if we can improve that percentage, um, obviously you're doing a ton of work on the 2021 draft already. Um, what do you think? Let's just jump into it right now. Obviously, Carolina Panthers. They're, they're in the market for a quarterback, whether it's Deshaun Watson, whether it's, uh, whether it's Dwayne Haskins, or whether it's somebody that they take with that eighth pick. What do you think about these top quarterbacks? Obviously, Trevor Lawrence accepted because he's, he's definitely not going to be there with the eighth pick. I appreciate you guys understanding that he won't be there, so we can just move on, right? Because he won't be, uh, unfortunately, for folks in the Carolinas. Um, I like this quarterback class a lot. I already see it happening on Twitter where folks are starting to say that I hate this quarterback class or that I hate this player or that player. That could not be farther from the truth. I really like this quarterback class. For me, after Trevor Lawrence, it is Zach Wilson. And I think a lot of people have a hard time reconciling that because they look at they look at the schedule or that he's from BYU or they, they look at guys like Justin Fields, you know, who is a top five-star quarterback prospect. And we've, he's a known commodity, right? We've known who Justin Fields is for at least three years. And so when a player like Zach Wilson – breaks out under the scene. I think a lot of people are surprised. A lot of people resist that as well. But I'm really intrigued by Zach Wilson because I believe that he fits what the NFL is doing right now at the quarterback position. His ability to throw the ball down the field, his ability to extend the play, his ability to move and create outside the pocket. He is exactly what I would want in the quarterback position. I, I wish he were a little bit taller, you know, but I think we're seeing guys who are, you know, six two and under having very good NFL careers right now. So this might sound crazy, but I already told you I don't like ice cream. So we've established a bar here. Uh, I watch Zach Wilson, and I think that he's a little bit taller Kyler Murray. Like, I see the same dude. The ability to just throw with excellent velocity and power, what he can do as a runner, as a scrambler. Now, I don't think he's as fast as Kyler, 
But to me, it's a very similar type of game. And so I'm really excited by that. I liked Kyler Murray a lot coming out of Oklahoma. And, and I think Zach Wilson could be a very similar type of NFL quarterback. So, again, to me, like, that's what the league wants right now. And he gives you all those tools. So why resist it? Why not just love Zach Wilson? I like Justin Fields as well. Uh, I, I also like Trey Lance out of North Dakota State. So I think Panthers fans at eight overall, like, you're in a pretty good spot, honestly. And with the way the draft order has fallen, you're in a pretty good spot that I, I think you can realistically, like, for sure know two quarterbacks are going to go ahead of you guys. But – uh, there's going to be opportunities to trade up. And if not, you're looking at a scenario where one of those, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, could be there at number eight. Matt, I wonder, as we look at these quarterbacks, um, what about durability going forward? Kyler Murray is a guy that you know, got a little banged up towards the end of the season, and then the, you know, the Cardinals finished flat. You know, that's one of the things that I look at, at Zach, and I certainly don't look as you know closely as you do. But I'm concerned um, about him, you know, weighing in at 210 pounds. Is durability something that we need to be concerned about with him? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a great point, and not just with him, but you know, also with Trevor Lawrence, who again, not an option for you guys, but I know you got a, he's got a lot of local fans there at six six, but only 220 pounds. Like that, that's as scary to me as a guy who's going to be six two two ten. And so I, I think with with those quarterbacks, you have to worry about that a little bit. You know, even Mac Jones, you know, not the biggest, thickest guy. So and that is definitely a question. With Kyler Murray, when I watched him, and we just had you know, one really good year there at Oklahoma, you watched him play, it was like, okay, well, he's small, but he's also a small strike zone, and he seemed to know how to protect himself. And I think that's one thing that we're seeing with a lot of NFL quarterbacks, whether it's Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes or even guys who are gigantic like Josh Allen. It's just you got to protect yourself. you got to make smart plays. So I think – I try to look at that as, yes, body type factors in, but how well do you avoid hits? Uh, how well, like, is there a, you know, Joe Burrow was a pretty skinny dude, uh, but he got rocked a couple times in college. And so you could see how his, how he responded. You know, the, the UCF bowl game is probably gonna be the one that everybody remembers of a guy just getting, you know, his head knocked almost clean off. And then he just hops up and has a fantastic game. So you can look at body type and, and, you know, try to figure things out. But I think you also have to look for those moments, you know, Justin Fields getting, you know, hit so hard by James Galsey in the uh, playoffs, the way he responded, you know, kind of sets the tone for him. And for a big guy like that, it, it, it still affected him, right? So hard hits are hard hits, whether you're 6'4", 230, or 6'3", 210. I think the key is trying to be aware of those hits and making yourself a smaller target. You mentioned Mac Jones. He's going to be uh, – they just announced, I think, yesterday that he is on the uh, yeah. Senior Bowl roster. And um, the Panthers coaching staff is going to be coaching uh, one half of that Senior Bowl. What kind of advantage do you – obviously, you go to the you're, – you're covering the Senior Bowl very in-depth every year. What kind of advantage does the coaching staff of, uh, of the Panthers have with that firsthand experience at the Senior Bowl? So normally it's good, right? Because you get access to players that you're that everyone else doesn't get. So you're you're getting to spend a week with you know whatever your roster is. The uh, they changed it this year. It used to be the North and South. What you get access to those guys. You get to see how they work. You can see how their teammates respond to them. You can see their habits. You know, are they the guy that's waiting for the bus to pull up in the morning, or are they the guy the bus is waiting for? You get to see all that. So I think that's super uh, super big advantage. The difference this year is that there is not going to be an NFL combine. I know that news got reported over the weekend. And so that aspect of it is now you're getting this access and time with players that no one else is getting. So for Matt Rule and Joe Brady and the, the whole staff there, 
they are getting access to their roster that no one else will get this year. And so that is invaluable. And I think that's why, you know, we even saw the Miami Dolphins kind of play the card of, we have the third pick. They let us coach the team, even though that they don't have the third pick. That should be Houston in that spot. So I think the senior bowl is always exceptionally valuable. This year it's more valuable than it's ever been before. Matt, speaking of the senior bowl and kind of is, is like an archetype for the, you know, the quarterbacks, there's the quarterbacks at the top of the draft. And then you've got, you know, the senior bowl quarterbacks, Do, in your opinion, as you look at the NFL, is it more important than ever to get one of those, you know, to get a Zach Wilson to get one of those top 10 guys, or do you think you can still win with, you know, a senior bowl quarterback to try and not disparage an individual? Specifically? Yeah, and no, I appreciate that. Um, I do think that, you know, even when I was coming up in this industry, there was always the talk of, well, if you can't get a top five pick, draft and develop, right? Draft and develop, draft and develop. It doesn't work. I, I don't, it, it just really doesn't work. You know, we're going to see, uh, let's look at this weekend. Mahomes and Will and Josh Allen were top picks. Aaron Rodgers was a first round pick. Tom Brady is a unicorn, right? So you really have to have a first round quarterback. And I think more and more, we're seeing teams understand that because of roster construction with the salary cap. You want somebody on that rookie deal for five years, but also it's just, I think we're getting better at scouting to where yes, Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson and Aaron Rodgers fell farther in the first round than they should have, but they were still first round picks. So I think we're getting better at scouting to where you'll see, we might see six quarterbacks in the first round this year, because I, I do think if we're normally, let's say Kyle Trask at Florida in a normal, you know, five years ago, Kyle Trask might've been a third round pick. Let's just put him there, okay? But now because teams want that quarterback so badly and they want those five years, that Kyle Traft might have traditionally been a drafted, developed guy. Now he might be a late first-round pick where you say you're going to sit behind a Big Ben or a Phillip Rivers for a year, and then you're going to be the starter. So it's still somewhat of a drafted, developed, but it's a first-round quarterback. And so I think that's where you know te teams are looking at trying you know, different ways to be creative. I think for Carolina – that is an interesting situation. I love Teddy Bridgewater, the human being. Teddy, the quarterback, is pretty limited. That's just where he's at, right? And so you guys are a situation that I think is also interesting because it could be a situation where a guy's drafted and he's given some room to develop because there's not that pressure to get on the field right away because Teddy can do well enough. And especially with you know more weapons around him, I don't think we'll see a draft that's all defense again this year from Carolina. So I, I think that's the idea is if – if it is a Zach Wilson or Justin Fields or Trey Lance at eight. And those three guys, I do think kind of all need a little bit of work, a little bit of time to learn. You have a really good veteran in place who can help them do that. Matt, let me ask you this. What are your thoughts on Scott Federer, the new GM of the Panthers? I'm a huge fan of his. And I, I think one of my favorite things about Scott is all the different things he was asked to do in Seattle. A lot of times we see general managers get hired and they've been a pro scout, a college scout or a front office like salary cap person. And Scott has done all those things. You know, he's been a, a player personnel guy on the pro side. He's been on the college side of things. And I think working with someone who was a former college head coach, that is incredibly important that the Carolina got someone who knows how to run the entire franchise. You know, this is not a situation where, and not to, not that this is a bad move, but it's not a situation where you're elevating someone who, you know, was a, a director of college scouting for two years on a good team. Now they're a GM. This is someone who was an assistant GM, uh, does know how to do all the different roles that go within a front office and did that with a very, very successful team. So I, I think that was a great move. Uh, another great move uh, for David Tepper. He just continues to make those, it seems like. But, you know, there's been a lot of a quality candidates who got interviewed this cycle. You know, Brad Holmes going to Detroit, Terry Fontenot going to Atlanta. Those are really good hires. 
I think for Carolina situation specifically, Scott was the best candidate because of that ability to come in and know how to do a little bit of everything that needs done. Instead of him just coming in and saying, well, I'm going to go scout now. I mean, Matt Rule coached in college. He knows these players. He recruited them. He coached against them. He game planned for them. So you don't need a quote-unquote like hardened road scout to take that job as GM. I think it was more important to get somebody who understands how to run and build a winning organization. Was there something specific uh, different about the way that Seattle has drafted or built their roster over the past uh I guess 20 years is how long Fitter has been there, but it seems like over the past decade is really when he has been uh, a major part of that uh, front office. Yeah, Josh, I think something that's interesting, and I'm sure a lot of people did this, they went and looked at Seattle's drafts, and you look at the first round, and it has not been very good, right? But the first round, that's your GM, owner, and head coach, right? It's the subsequent rounds where your directors and your scouts are really influential, and you see their ability. And it's impossible to know without being in the room right? Like who liked what guy, you know, unless the stories come out, you know, like a Kansas city with Brett Veach being a director at the time and loving Patrick Mahomes, unless that stuff comes out, you just don't know. But I think with the way that Seattle has built their team, we've seen two different iterations of that team. We saw the defense that was super expensive and loaded up with all pros. And then we saw them rebuild without having a down year. We saw them go from the Legion of Boom to Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner are this team. There are pillars, there are anchors. So I think that's something that would be exciting is there's not just one blueprint for how to win that Scott's bringing to the table. It's several different you know, ways that they had to build in Seattle. Like you said, him having been there for so long, you can go back you know, even pre-Russell Wilson and kind of see what they were doing. But I think that's what would be exciting is, okay, if you have a quarterback on a rookie deal, he's done that. He knows how to do it. Uh, if you've got a, a veteran quarterback that you're paying a lot of money to, okay, he's done that too. Uh, and being able to just draft and find players outside the first round who are are able to come in and be starters. And I think that's a huge part of it. And I don't know if I'll get trouble for telling this story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Um, so the year that Puna Ford was uh, in the draft class, what was that, 2018? I, I've, I've been doing this a long time. Years kind of run together for me. Let, I think it was 2018, right? Uh, and at the time, I had another team in the NFC West reaching out to me saying, we know that you have a connection there to the agent and the player. Uh, we would love it if you would just let him know that this is a good situation for him. And I was like, I mean, that happens all the time. That's not abnormal. Um, so I you know, shoot a text. Hey, I know this team's interested in you. You know, they'd be a good fit for you. Here you go. But I do know for a fact that, that Scott Fitter was a huge reason the Puna Ford went to Seattle because they had done the work starting at the senior bowl of saying, Hey man, like we don't know if you'll get drafted, which that's hard to tell someone that in January and be that honest with them. Be like, Hey, we don't know if you're going to get drafted. Um, but we honestly think you could start in our system like year two. So laying that groundwork of telling a guy in January, Hey, like we, you might not get drafted, but we want you and we value you and we have a place for you. That is like, that's next level stuff that you don't get from a lot of people. And so I do know that, you know, they built a system there where they were able to identify and drafted free agents that other people were, you know, not being upfront with and not fostering those relationships with. Because when, when things get crazy late Saturday during the draft and players are trying to figure out, oh, am I going to get drafted? Am I not? Am I going to get signed? Am I not? You have to rely on those relationships that have already been built. So I think that's something that it's not just rounds one through seven. It's everything else that they're bringing to the table that's going to be huge. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. Puna Ford, by the way, started 30 games over the past two seasons at defensive tackle for the Seahawks. So pretty good undrafted free agent. Not bad, right? Yeah, pretty good player. <laughs> now, I'm just curious, if they felt that way, why would you not take them the seventh round? Like they had seven other guys that they thought could be starters? Like this, I, 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 yeah, I know so everybody honestly, plays this game. No, that's a, it's a great question. And I think one of the biggest reasons is you tend to draft the players in round seven that like you're afraid you won't be able to sign. So like if you have a guy that you're like, ah, we're going to be able to, we're going to be able to get him. Uh, we have a great, you know, we have an in there as a, an undrafted free agent. We'll be okay. So you tend to draft players that, that you feel like you might miss out on or that there will be like a bidding war for that player that there's so many like politics and like, next level inception type things that go on when it comes to the, the NFL draft that we could spend like four hours talking about. But no, that's a really good question. Well, you know, we've talked a lot about the quarterbacks. The one thing that's equally important or almost as important as a quarterback is a pass rush. Um, I, I looking at your previous mock drafts, it seems like there's only one guy that might fit the bill and Micah Parsons in the, in the top 10 range. Is there anybody um, in your opinion, that, that should be considered to supplement Derek Brown and Burns in lieu of not taking a quarterback? Yeah, not in the top 10. There's just really not. And I, I like some of these players. You know, Quiddy Pay at Michigan, I like a lot. Joseph Osai coming out of Texas. Uh, Gregory Russo at Miami. Like, this, it's a good edge class. It really is. There's not that clear-cut top 10 player, Chase Young, Nick Bosa. You know, even players like Josh Allen, who went to Jacksonville a couple of years ago. There's not anyone like that. And so I think that's where this year does start to feel like quarterback or left tackle at, at eight are probably the best values uh, specifically to Carolina. Um, it's just, it's a good year on defense, but it's so much better in terms of depth instead of top end talent. You know, even Micah Parsons, like a lot of folks don't love him in the top 10. I personally do, but you know, you're not going to get a, a big consensus on him being a top 10 player. You know, the corner class potentially, Patrick Sertan and Caleb Farley could both be there at eight that I think, uh, depending on how you guys feel about the corner situation there, you know, obviously Dante Jackson's really good at what he does, but I think that could be another, another spot where if there's not a quarterback that you love, then corner could definitely make sense. Yeah. I've, I've been uh, tuning this horn for a couple months or a couple months already. And I will probably for the rest of the off season that the Panthers should need another quarterback, need a new starting quarterback, whether it's going to come at the eighth pick whether it's going to come via trade, however it's going to come, David Tepper has the fever to steal a Collins point that that he wants a quarterback. <laughs> so it's either it's either going to be at that eighth pick, or I guess my other my next question would be: Do you think there's a guy, maybe not even in the second round, because I know some of these senior bowl quarterbacks that we that we keep uh, mentioning are maybe in the second round uh, or, or or late first trade back in. Is there like a date? like late day two, early day three guy who you're like, this guy, nobody's really paying attention to him, but this quarterback could be somebody that, that I think might have it. Yeah. What's weird this year. I have all those guys, those six quarterbacks ranked inside the top 50. And then I don't have another one for like 200 spots almost. Like it's just, wow. there's no middle ground with this year's quarterback class. Some of that might be, maybe I'm being harsh, but I don't look at players like Jamie Newman or Felipe Franks or Kellen Mond and think, you know, I draft that guy in the third round and try to develop him. I just, I don't see that. And next week at the Senior Bowl will be incredibly important for that because because of COVID. We didn't even see these guys in person at all this year. And that is such a huge part of the quarterback evaluation. Uh, Jamie Newman, you know, transfers to Georgia, gets beat out for the job, ends up opting out. 
haven't seen him play in quite some time. So I, I think that there are a lot of day three quarterbacks that, that would be an option. You know, Kellen Mond definitely fits kind of the mold of the athlete. He's just been really inconsistent at Texas A&M. So if I had to pick one of the other guys who has probably the best chance to, to surprise me and rise up the board a little bit, it would be him. But it's just – it's really not a very good quarterback class outside of the top six players. You mentioned everything that's happened, you know, with, uh, with, with COVID and whatnot. How, how – do you have a lot less – intel information this year that's another thing that kind of concerns me especially you make an important decision like a quarterback in this specific year for we all have even more imperfect information than normal yeah so right now yes uh, I, I do expect that to change you know uh, college scouts weren't able to be on campuses this year and so you know in my field if I'm not going to those schools I rely on contacts in the NFL who are and none of us were this year. So it's been a little bit different. Um, I think the process, especially with quarterbacks, you know, because so much is the, the off field with those guys, you know, not just character, but IQ and aptitude and work ethic. That's something that where normally you would say, oh, quarterback evaluation really, truly starts in January. That it really does this year. I mean, it really, truly does. And it also does for a lot of these other players, which is why we saw this somewhat last year. Players who have a question mark, whether that's injury or character, are going to be drafted much later than we would expect. You know, sometimes there'll be a guy who has a questionable character or some injury history, and you say, Yeah, but it's going to be, he's a really good player. It'll probably be okay. They're going to fall this year because of that. So I think that's the thing where if you're a player who, you know, has got something in your background or something in your medical chart that, that you don't love, it's going to be tough this year to overcome that because it's just, there's not that time, you know, there's not going to be a combine where you get those in-person It's going to be all you know, done like we're doing this podcast over zoom. And that makes things much more difficult. So I think that's where, you know, this year will be different. Players are going to be drafted more so on what they did on Saturdays than ever before, because you're not getting, there's not going to be workout warriors this year. You're not getting that side of it. So that's a good thing and a bad thing, but it definitely makes the, the job a little bit harder. Personally, I really look forward to the first uh, agent announcement that his client ran a four two eight forty, and like a oh, like with a, with a grainy video, and uh, or like right. a clean bill of you health, like Doctor Rogers in Tuscaloosa. Right. Yeah, that you would be amazed at how many texts folks like myself would get from trainers and agents of their guy in like a high school field, you know, saying he ran a a 4-2 or a low 4-3. So I, I think this year is going to be a challenge for a lot of people. And a lot of the, the GMs and coaches and scouts I've talked to, we're all just kind of reverting back to the film. Like, let's just go back and, like, watch how these guys actually performed. And, and you try to base your evaluation on that. Matt, I'm curious. Um, you've been doing this, we said, for, for over a decade now. How have you kind of incorporated analytics? Um, I know that's kind of a, a, a prickly word to just throw out there, but how, how has that evolved for you over the last decade? Yeah, you know, my thing, Colin, is I look for anything that makes me better at my job. Uh, because, you, so, think about the Carolina Panthers, how many scouts they employ. You know, it's a lot, 12, 15, uh, plus interns. You know, it's a big staff. I'm one person. And so, anything that will make me better at my job, I'm interested in, whether that's analytics or – you know, even things like, you know, just your body typing, you know, hey, let's let's measure ankles and knees and see if there's any correlation to growth. And I'm I'm open to whatever makes me makes my job easier, makes me better at it. So 
I look at analytics and I, I try to factor that in. And you're right, that is a big word, right? It means a lot of different things. I look, I do look at things like uh, hit rate at this body type. I look at, you know, uh, one thing that I wouldn't even call it analytics anymore, but early on with analytics, it was drop rate, you know, looking at wide receivers and looking at drop rate. But that was considered new at the time. I can remember back in the day, just having a piece of paper charting drops, you know, and, and things like that. And now it's, there's a, you know, people are doing that stuff for you. It makes it easier. So I try to look at everything, you know, there are some things that I kind of roll my eyes at, you know, right now, I think the big thing, you know, five years ago, it was spark scores. It was all a spark score. And it was like, okay, well, I don't really know if that means you can play football or not, but it's cool that you're a good athlete. You know, that helps a little bit. Now I get people all the time. Like, why do you like this player? He's 23 years old. It's like, okay, well, 23, 22, like I don't, I don't get a really involved in the age thing because I've seen it work both ways. I've seen young players never mature physically. I've seen old players who you know, hang around a lot longer than people expect and are able to still improve their game. So I try to take it all in. It's all part of the puzzle. Uh, but the, the biggest thing, the meat and potatoes of it will always be what they do on film and, and how scouting is very objective it's how I believe watching that player those skills will translate to the NFL and what they'll be able to get better at what they won't be able to get better at what they have that is already good enough it's you can you can bring in an analytics element but it's it's ultimately an opinion-based business Matt we know that you got to get out of here we appreciate your time could you just let the folks know where can they find you on the Twitters the internets and whatnot yeah, the Twitters. It's at NFL Draft Scout there. Uh, really all across the internet. That's a pretty standard handle for me. And then my new website, which launches February 11th, it's thedraftscout.com. So thank you guys so much for having me and let me ramble for 30 minutes. Matt, real quick before we let you go, I didn't get to ask you, who's your favorite, who's your favorite prospect in this draft? My favorite prospect, probably Rashawn Slater, even though you didn't get to see him play this year. I absolutely love watching him play. I don't know if it's available like for the general public. It might be on YouTube. His game against Ohio State in 2019 is one of my favorites that I've had a chance to watch. So I know that's kind of boring. It's an offensive tackle and a guy who didn't play last year. But uh, when I have downtime and just have somebody to chill and watch, he is he's one of my favorites for sure. You don't do you think he projects as a guard? I know we just we just said goodbye to you, but now we're <laughs> no, it's cool. Let's keep going. Let's keep asking questions. Uh, I think he's a tackle, and I know that's controversial, right? People are like, oh no, he's six four, and I don't know what his arm length is. Um, I feel like someone told me at one point, and I it was like, okay, that's good enough, and I just moved on mentally from it. Um, I think he's a tackle. I do know that's gonna be a big conversation over the next three months, but. I've tried to get out in front of it and just say, for me, he's a top five player. For me, he's a left tackle. Let's move on. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Matt. We really appreciate it. Uh, and I will steal Nikki's line and tell you that your one-day contract is up. <laughs> I love it. Thank you guys so much. Reporters